Hello and welcome to another edition of Ask the Experts here on City News 570. I'm joined today by Faisal Suziwala. Faisal is Canada's top real estate broker. He's also ranked within the top five in the world for Remax. Faisal started his career at the young age of 18 and has been delivering outstanding results for the past 30 years, most notably with Remax Twin City Realty. So he knows what he's talking about and he's giving us some of his time today. Hello and welcome to the show, Faisal. Hi, Brock. How are you? I'm well. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you very much for having me on. Uh, listeners, if you're interested in any of the information we discuss over the next hour, please reach out to Faisal. You can start your journey at homeshack.com. You can call him directly, 519-624-5555 or email Faisal at homeshack.com. Later in the show, we're going to circle back and talk uh, with Faisal about his book, The Real Deal, Billion Dollar Real Estate Broker. Uh, the book is currently available on Amazon, on Audible, and on Kindle as well. But for now, let's jump right in. Uh, Faisal, if we take a look at, at the current market, we had a chat back in October, but what are we seeing now? What's happening right now? We're starting to see a really a balanced market right now. We're finding that people have sort of gotten over the initial shock of the, you know, interest rate hikes, the uh, decline in pricing. And of course, you know, we, we went through this time that, you know, we had 62% almost increase over uh, 2020 to 2022 March. And we've seen 27, 28% of that give back right now, which is still well above pre-pandemic values. Um, sales have now become balanced. And you know we're seeing that homes are on average staying on the market 22 days. Now, um, I've been doing this for a long time. And Brock, if you remember back, uh, say 15 or 20 years ago, you put up a home for sale. It typically took two months to sell. So 22 days on the market, we've just been spoiled because we came out of a market where homes were on the market for seven or eight days. So in our region last month, there were just under 500 homes sold and just under a thousand listings on the market. So, you know, that's not too bad. Now, of course, a year ago, it was almost the opposite of that, where you would have, you know, a thousand buyers for 400 homes or 300 homes that were on the market, <clears throat> which created that multiple offer bidding and whatnot. And of course, that hasn't gotten away, uh, provided that your realtor is still implementing the proper strategies of, of attracting the higher number of viewings by pricing it at a reasonable price, which will increase the number of offers that you're going to get on your home, which will ultimately increase the selling price of your home. And we're still seeing that GTA audience coming into our market. When we take a look at those numbers, and you mentioned this, uh, that idea of, you know, what happened between 2020 and 2022 and so on. If we really wanted a fair comparison, would it make sense for us to almost ignore those, those, that data that we had there? Because it was, it was a huge blip and, and, and maybe even jump back to 2019 and say, hey, this is where we were in 2019. And you've talked about this already, that idea of from then until now, we've seen this 30% increase and really we're still we're still still doing quite well if we if we sort of ignore that that sort of blip that happened there yeah absolutely if you take that that time right out of the market you're still up approximately 15% per year which is very very good and 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 traditionally we haven't seen that kind of increase in our marketplace or that kind of appreciation in our marketplace typically we're 3 to 5% so what ended up happening is we really played catch up um, we became very well known to our neighbors to the east 
namely GTA, uh, Toronto, Milton, Mississauga, Brampton, Oakville, Burlington. And those folks realize that, you know, it's a great community to live in, great community to work from, lots of amenities that are available, and um, they can work from home. And that created that work from home, created this de-urbanization of the larger areas into our region. But now the opposite is happening in the rental industry, in the rental market. So those folks who are sitting on the sidelines today thinking, I'm going to wait for this market to crash, um, I think they're going to have a pretty rude awakening because they're going into rentals. And when they're going into rentals, they're driving the rental market up. And, you know, we've talked about the housing shortage, and we're going to talk a lot about this new Bill 23 as we get on to the show here. Um, we're seeing that people are now bidding to rent. We've been asking $2,600 or $2,700 a month for a townhome. Um, I have folks walking into my office with a bank draft in the amount of $36,000, which is $3,000 a month. So they're overpaying for these just to secure a rental position because they're isn't enough inventory out there on the rental but we're still dealing with this massive housing crisis so when you know I hear people say oh this market's going to crash yes it may correct even further but it's not going to crash because where is the population going to live right and and that point of coming in with 30 uh, $36,000 for rent for a year You've got a place to stay for a year, but at the end of that year, you don't really have anything to show for it. There's you have that money, and and you know we were we were taught long time ago that you know if you can invest in anything, you can re invest in real estate. It's 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 going to continue on, and 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 that general trend is always going to be up there. It has to be frustrating for people that are in that that situation right now. And what you're saying is now, if you are on that sideline, this is the time you want to make that jump forward. Yeah, and sadly, that $36,000, if you think about it, was actually down payment money that those young people were saving up to put on their down payment. Instead, now they're putting it all towards their rent. And as you said, Brock, they're, they're going to have nothing to show for it. And, you know, we're going to talk about the comparison that I did recently um, on on, uh, on social media. And, and that comparison actually went viral. And, and, you know, we'll talk about it a little bit later on in the show when we get to it. But there's so many advantages of jumping into the market even today. And you've touched on this already. The province has brought a new housing policy out. It was announced last week. It's called Bill 23. Uh, for our listeners that are out there that need to know about that bill, what do they need to know? And, and what does it mean really for our region as well too, Faisal? So it's, it's such a complex bill, but you know, I've tried, I'll try to summarize it the best I can. Um, what it does, Bill 23 is, is an Ontario policy that overrides the municipal zoning laws. So it's saying to the municipalities, okay, fine and well, you have had autonomy over your area, but we now need to look at it from a provincial perspective and look at the crisis that we're facing. There's 1.5 million homes needed in Canada. There's half a million new people coming into the country every year, not to mention you know, the 25-year-olds that are living in mom and dad's basement. So it's basically an act, it's the home homes built faster act is what it is, if you want to summarize what that act does. So in March of 2022, the province announced that we have the shortage of 1.5 million homes. So where are where are all those homes going to come from? 
Those homes need to come from creation of more dwellings, more residential dwellings. Where can we create dwellings? Well, they're saying right in your backyard. And I mean literally right in your backyard. So they're allowing three units within a residential lot. That includes, let's say you've got your main house. So you may use the main floor and the upper level for yourself. You then create a secondary dwelling in the lower level, or if you have a duplex on the upper level. And then you can have a garden suite, which is a tiny home. And we've talked about this in the past. I think I talked about this about a year ago that this is coming. And now it's actually here. So these are the three units that can be created. So that will be inclusive of these 1.5 million homes that are needed. Um, the nice thing that is going to come from this is that the province is going to eliminate development charges uh, when it comes to that. So it will make it less expensive for people to get this application. Um, beyond that, there's 29 large municipalities that have been mandated to add these new dwellings. And you know we can talk about which uh, dwellings have to be added in which region, but Waterloo region, requires by the province 70,800 new homes by 2031. That's an astronomical number. And in yes. a fairly short period of time, we're talking, you know, nine years here. And we know if you just take a step back, the, the cityscape, the landscape of KW of the region has changed already. When I first moved to the area 25 years ago, you had you had one or two high rises, but now, they're they're popping up everywhere, right? And and that is that is the reality. We know that that the the idea I think is to sort of build up along the along the LRT corridor, building into those spaces. Uh, and what you're saying is, you know, we that's that's all fine and good, but we are already behind schedule, and we need to we need to move those things forward. We really do. Uh, and then you're looking at you know Toronto. GTA is going to require 285,000 new dwellings by 2031. Ottawa, 161,000. Mississauga, which is just minutes away from our region, 120,000. Brampton, 113,000. So when you look at Canada-wide, the population is concentrated. About a third of Canada's population is concentrated in Ontario and largely in the Golden Horseshoe, which we are a part of. So we're going to see that growth happen in our region, whether you like it or not. Good information to know for sure, Faisal. We're coming up on a break here on Ask the Experts. When we come back, Faisal has gone viral. Uh, we'll talk about a recent comparison chart he posted to Instagram and find out more about that as well, too. Stay with us here on City News 570. Welcome back to the show. My guest today is Canada's top real estate broker and author of the book, The Real Deal, billion-dollar real estate broker, Faisal Suziwala. Listeners, if you would like a chance to chat with Faisal yourself, you can start by going to homeshack.com. You can also call Faisal directly at 519-624-5555 or through email, Faisal at homeshack.com. Before the break, Faisal, we were talking about, about uh, Bill 23, and I wanted to circle back to a few things talking about uh, development charges and 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 who this this bill is really uh, focused towards and also what does it mean in in the municipal uh, area of things as well when it comes to dealing with red tape and, and actually getting shovels in the ground of those kinds of things what else do we need to know about this bill 
So largely, it's going to help uh, developers and builders uh, cost cut um, so that they're not getting bogged down by these development charges, the municipal charges, and, you know, parkland designation where they have to give a certain percentage of the land for parkland or funds in lieu of, so 5% of the development or whatever it is in the municipality has to be attributed to parklands and for infrastructure, which there's a need of, but at this moment, there's a greater need for more housing. They're going to lower the taxes on apartment dwellings for for the builders and developers that are going to hold on to those. They're going to create more schools in high density areas so that it can handle the population growth that's going to be there. They're going to have more effective use of vacant homes and vacant lands, which again, you know, there's a vast amount of vacant land that's not being utilized, which can be utilized if the zoning bylaws were not so stringent in the municipalities, we're not putting people through the hoops. And, um, you know, the development charges will be cut in half, from what I understand, which would reduce on average. So if you if you look at, you know, when you look at the price of a home for a million dollars, sometimes it's hard to understand what that million dollars consists of. And in our region and in many regions, between 50 to $75,000 of that is actually development charges, levies, um, you know, building permit fees, um, improvement fees, parkland designation fees. So what we're hoping for and expecting builders to do is pass along some of those savings to the end user so that it can make it more affordable for first-time home buyers, for people who are downsizing. So if you're living in a large home right now and you're an empty nester, chances are you're gonna say, well, where am I gonna go? So I'm just gonna stick it out and live in this house, but you're not allowing another family to come in and occupy that large space. So if there were spaces that were available for seniors who are downsizing to go into at an affordable price in an affordable community, then those folks will make that move. But it's really a stalemate right now because everyone is just on a holding pattern in pause because they're afraid of what's unknown. Um, and then, you know, we're trying to encourage people to get back into uh, purchasing, but builders are saying, well, it's too darn expensive. And forget the expense. The red tape and the bureaucracy that is involved in getting anything through City Hall, it's absolutely ridiculous. In fact, I'm disgusted with the lack of attention that, that municipal uh, facilities give to people that are trying, trying to create housing. Try getting a return phone call from any of these municipalities in a timely manner. Try getting an email return from anyone. Okay, you know what? We've hung our hats on COVID for long enough, municipality workers. Let's pick up the phone. Let's engage with people. We're in a crisis. We need people to get moving right now, not being put on the back burner because you're too worried about, you know, relaxing right now. Get back to work and start helping people get into homes right now. So I blame the municipalities and the government clearly is looking at the municipalities and saying, you guys are doing a crappy job. So we're going to step in, we're going to override you, and we're going to approve these developments, whether you like it or not. And good on the province for, province for doing that. And, and it, that's important information for us to, to know as well, too, five. So I want to backtrack a little bit you were talking about that idea of, you know, empty nesters sitting in a, in a fairly large size home and saying, you know, there's really nowhere for us to go. But I think people of a certain age, it, it, you know, people that are my age and your kids are uh, maybe on their way out, 
it's all it's almost that mind shift. You have to look at your home and say, it's it's a it's a big property, it's a big piece of land. I can share this with someone. It is you know we the idea is always that a, a person's home is their castle, and sometimes we get wrapped up in the fact that this is mine, this is mine. But if if we're able to share that somehow, whether through uh, an in law suite, whether through uh, you know a tiny home in the yard, those kinds of things. It, <coughs> Are you seeing people start to have that mind shift? Yeah, and, and Brock, you know, I'm out there in the trenches every day working with real people. So I'm not, I'm not sitting in, a, in an ivory tower uh, as an economist saying this is a problem. I'm actually seeing the problem each day. I walk into your home today and I say, Brock, you know, you and your lovely wife are living in this 3,000 square foot home, empty nested. Why don't we get you into something smaller in a nice community? The first thing you're going to say to me is, Faisal, okay, where is that? My answer is, I don't know. So you're going to say, well, if you don't know where you're going to take me, like hell, I'm going to move out of this home and be homeless. So this is the dilemma that I have each day. I have willing people wanting to move. So then you look at the builders. And you say, Mr. and Mrs. Builder, can you please build a nice community? And the builder says, I'd love to, but I'm so caught up with the municipalities and I can't get zoning approvals. I can't get permits. I can't get a return phone call. I'm abiding by these archaic rules and regulations and mindsets. I just can't get past that. So what we need is someone to step in and say, all right, you've had your, your, your fun, you're done. We're going to override you and we're going to let this thing happen and we're going to cut back their costs. So it's going to make affordable housing actually happen. So the bill does make sense. And I applaud uh, the Ontario government for actually bringing this out. And I just hope that it can be executed in a timely manner. And for that, you know, throwing money at the municipalities, I don't think was helping because that was the solution before, right? Let's let's fund these municipalities, let's get them going, but funding them to do absolutely nothing achieved absolutely nothing. Right. Your passion is coming through, Faisal. And I love I'm very, to very, that. I'm very worked up about it. <laughs> let's let's shift gears a little bit. You recently uh, posted a comparison chart on Instagram. And it goes viral for someone, you know, of, of, as I said before, of a certain age, technology can be a little scary sometimes. But what was this comparison chart all about? So, you know, I, I can't take the credit for the actual information. It was Tom Stone. He's a mortgage broker who actually did a little video on Instagram and I stumbled across it. And so I so I, I took that information and I asked him if it's OK if I actually share that information. And he was gracious enough to let me share it. And what that chart is, and I'm going to post it on uh, on my Instagram page as well at Faisal Suzy Wallace. So please follow and and see this chart. It talks about February of 2022 this year and compares to October of 2022 this year to say, okay, the home that was selling in February of 2022 for $1 million is selling today for let's say $800,000. So it's a 20% discount, let's call it. If you had 20% down back in February, you had $200,000 down in February to put down on that $1 million home. Today, you still have that $200,000 to put down. So put that down on the $800,000 home. That means that the mortgage today would be 600 as opposed to a mortgage of 800. The payment based on, well, for example, the interest rate back in February of 2022 was 3.15. Today's interest rate is 5.35. So you would think, wow, my payment's going to be a lot higher. 
but you, you have to take into account that your mortgage amount is quite lower. Right. So on an $800,000 mortgage at a lower interest rate, which people were fighting each other to get into and fighting each other to pay a million bucks for that house, they're going to pay $3,425 a month. But that same home you can buy today at a higher interest rate and only pay $3,325 a month. So you're saving over $100 a month, even though you're paying a higher interest rate. But here's the beauty. In five years, that $1 million mortgage, or sorry, $1 million purchase would have a $713,000 balance owing in five years from today. But that $800,000 home only has $553,000 owing. Even though you pay at a higher interest rate, remember, you're putting the same amount down. It does not make sense to say, I'm not going to put that money down. You had the money, put the money down. In Canada, we have no write-off on your personal mortgage. So there's no point in saying I'm not, and, and I firm, and I talk about this in my book and we'll discuss it later. I talk about this, pay your house off first and then use your home to leverage your other investments and whatnot, but pay your home off. So every Canadian should have the mindset of having a home free and clear. And maybe that's the wrong mindset, but that's my opinion. It's worked for me. And that's what I share with my clients as well. And, and it's the same house. It was the same house at a million as it is at 800,000. And, and it's that you come back to that idea. It's your castle. You've got that. This is what the, the place that you want it to be. Uh, Faisal had mentioned this already. He can be found on Instagram, by the way. So it is at Faisal Suziwala. Uh, we're going to take another break. Uh, we do need to get an update from the City News 570 News Center. When we come back, uh, we're going to talk a bit more about, uh, you know, changing with the times and technology and all of those kinds of things. We're also going to spend a little bit of time before the end of the show today uh, coming back to talk about Faisal's book as well, too. So stay with us here on City News 570. Show my guest today is Canada's top real estate broker and author of the book, The Real Deal, billion-dollar real estate broker, Faisal Suziwala. If you would like a chance to chat with Faisal yourself, you can start by going to homeshack.com. You can also call Faisal directly, 519-624-5555, or through email, Faisal at homeshack.com. Before the break, you were talking about a number of things. One thing, though, uh, that uh, came up, Faisal, was the idea of interest rates. And we know that we've seen this uh, increase of interest rates over this uh, this year, the, the past, uh, past almost 12 months now. Uh, the idea was to control inflation. How has that worked out? Well, I, I think it's failing miserably. And I'll tell you why. So if, if I look at January interest rates, the prime was at 0.25, okay? That, that prime now in current times is 3.75. And we're speaking just, you know, and I'm looking at the G7. So I'm looking at the G7 countries. I'm saying what's happening across the world here. So let's look at Canada first. We're at 0.25% in January. We're at 3.75 today. That in January, the inflation rate was 5.1%. Now, the whole idea was to control inflation, bring it down. Today, the inflation rate is 6.9%. So it hasn't really worked, has it? If you look no. at the U.S., 0.25, today's interest rate is 4%. It was 7.5 back in January. It's 8.2. Now, here's an interesting fact. In January, Japan, Japan is the only G7 country um, that did not raise interest rates. They left it exactly the same. So it was negative 10% back in January, believe it or not. Wow. 
Um, today's rate is still negative 10%. So they left interest alone. They did not touch it. Okay. It was in January 0.5% inflation. Right. Today it's 3%. Okay. So they left it alone. They didn't do anything. So what that's telling me and should tell everyone is that increasing the rates at the level the banks are doing it is not going to be the answer. There's got to be other solutions. Listen, I'm not an economist. I can't tell you what the solution is. But increasing the rates at the rapid rate that they're doing, it's not helping. We're still seeing increase in inflation. So we've got a big, big challenge here on how to control this situation without putting people into an, a situation where they're going to stop them from spending. When you increase the rates to the level they're at, food is your number, food and, and shelter is your number one and two uh, priorities in life. Food's gone through the roof, shelter's going through the roof. So are people going to travel? Are they going to spend money on, on goods? Um, I think it's going to have such a huge negative impact. And again, add the housing shortage and just keep compounding all these issues. There's got to be a better solution than what's out there right now and raising interest rates to the level that they're going. And that's why I tell my clients, I don't expect this to last more than two years because there's going to be so much pent up demand that something's going to have to give. And, and, you know, maybe not so much in, in our lifetime, but maybe if we have older siblings or, or our parents, and I, you talk about this in the book as well, too. Back in the late 70s, early 80s, where people were having mortgages at 17, 18%, and you think there was never any way to get ahead of that wave. And here we are now. Yes, it's gone from, let's say, below 3% to above 5%, but it's a long game. We have to remember that as well, too. We know that there's, there was that, that drop-off. Those million dollar homes are, as you said, are, are sitting at about 800,000 right now. But in the long term, those prices go up. And when you get into real estate, you've, you've said this before too, gone are the days where it's buy and flip. We just, we just don't have the ability to do that necessarily. We have to be looking at this and saying, this is a, this is a 10, 15, 20, 25 year commitment and, and it will pay off in the long run. Absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree with that. You've obviously had to change with the times. You mentioned in the book the idea back, you know, 25, 30 years ago, uh, fax machines were considered to be high tech. And, and a cell phone, you, it was in a bag and you had it in your car and it was, you know, thousands of dollars. Uh, and, and we've just come back from, from you talking about Instagram. How do you manage what you've already done so well in the past with, with new ideas and new technology? Are you, I would, I would guess that you are, you're a lifelong learner and you have to be in the role that you're in. Absolutely. You, you said it like, you know, the, the minute you stop learning, the minute you believe you've arrived is when your decline starts. So my uh, premise in my entire career is that I will always try to keep up with the latest and greatest technology, and I will adapt to it. I'm not going to be stuck in my ways because that's where failure starts happening. Because you, if you start thinking that the way you do it is the only way to do it, look, in the beginning, I was resisting all of this. I'm like, okay, Facebook, Instagram, this is for kids. You know, this is not something, but little did I know that there was going to be this large amount of e-commerce that comes out of it. And really our entire 
um, existence is now revolving around social media and our our news comes from there, right? Fake or not, that's where our news is coming from. And first thing in the morning, uh, you wake up, of course, I tune into 570, but many people are, <laughs> of course, going on to their uh onto their news feeds on their Instagram, on their Facebook to see what's happening today. They're on their Google. And that's where you have to be present. You have to be engaged. I say this to a lot of colleagues that your CRM, CRM, your database, your contact management, and your social environment, your circle is no longer in a physical social environment, you're engaged on your device. And that's where you need to engage with people. That's where you need to learn what's happening within your communities. And we use in our business now, you know, like I said, fax machines were technology back then. Um, I used to have to drive for hours and hours and hours just to get a sign back on an offer, or I'd have to find a variety store in Mississauga where I could, you know, send a fax to, and somebody would have to pay $2 to get a page from there, I remember my cell phone bill. I was with Cantel at the time. Most people probably won't even remember what Cantel is, but my bill was $1.50 a minute to be on the phone. Like, can you imagine our kids being on the phone right now at $1.50 a minute? <laughs> so, but that, that was, if you wanted to be ahead of it, uh, pagers were a thing back then. And I remember uh, Mr. Uh, Reed Maneri, who was my mentor, and he hired me on as a, as a realtor at the age of 18. I had to go in there and I said, Mr. Maneri, um, I really think that I need to find a better way than getting a pager and trying to find a payphone. I used to have two uh, cylinders of, of, of quarters in my pocket at all times so I could find a payphone to get to a client because my beeper went off. So I had to listen to that message on a beeper, the voice note. Then I had to call that person. Um, can you imagine like the amount of work you'd have to go through to do that? We take for granted how easy technology has made our lives. Now, of course, it's made us busier and people want instant replies. Um, back in 1988-89, the voicemail for a realtor would be, I'll return your call in the next 24 hours. <laughs> Can you imagine today a realtor saying, you calling your realtor saying, I want to see this house tomorrow or today, and the, the voice on the other end says, we'll return your call in 24 hours, you'd be out of business. And that's what I mean by evolving with, with what's happening and staying ahead of it. Because if you don't, you're going to become a dinosaur and, and you're going to become extinct, basically. And that's what's happening to many people who haven't engaged, who haven't grasped the technology. Um, I can't take all the credit. Look, I, I hired the right people. I I hired the right services, the right companies to make sure that they keep me current, to make sure that they market. Newspapers have become obsolete, really. So, you know, I pulled out of... Uh, I pulled out of newsprint advertising about 12 years ago, and all of my colleagues said, you're going to be out of business in no time because you're not in a single magazine. You're not in a single newspaper. How are people going to learn about your listings? Well, those, those that print media was already stale dated before that listing would have been sold already. So what's the point of advertising old news? So what I did at that time when it was still looked at as for kids is I started putting all of my business on Facebook and started marketing. I started buying Google ads. And then Instagram has taken that to the next level. LinkedIn, Twitter. These are all platforms that, you know, we engage in. Um, you know, I, I'll use my, my, my mother as an example. Um, you know, 
a South Asian lady, uh, speaks English, but not extremely well. But she is on Facebook. She is on Instagram. Why? Because she wants to know what her grandkids and children are up to. That's and great. it's become the format of communication. And this is where, you know, we are heading towards that way. And we're going to engage in that manner, like it or not. That's where we're headed now. And you bring up a good point. I mean, you still have 24 hours in your day, just like everybody else does. So there's only so much that you're able to put that time and effort into. You need to have time to rest. You need to have time for your family. You need to have time uh, for yourself. And if you can be relying, as you said, relying on on other uh, folks that can help you, and you, as you said, hire the right people, they're going to be looking after those things, putting your face on the back of a bus, right? And all of those other pieces but it it is going to continue to generate those things. I, I'm great. I'm, I'm so glad we had a chance to uh, to talk a bit about that too, Faisal. We we do need to take a final break here on Ask the Experts. When we come back, we're going to spend some time discussing Faisal's book as well too, The Real Deal, Billion Dollar Real Estate Broker. So stay with us here on City News 570. Welcome back to the show. My guest today, Faisal Suziwala, also known as Canada's top real estate broker, Listeners, if you would like a chance to chat with Faisal yourself, you can start by going to homeshack.com. You can also call Faisal directly, 519-624-5555, or email Faisal at homeshack.com. Recently, Faisal made the decision to write a book. It's called The Real Deal, Billion Dollar Real Estate Broker. It's available on a variety of platforms, Amazon and Audible and Kindle. Faisal, you mentioned before that in some ways, you wanted to leave a legacy for your children. How important was it for you to see this this passion project through to completion? It, it was very near and dear to my heart. It was very important for me to um, give my children somewhat of a roadmap because you know we're dealing with so many things today in our, in our world. We're dealing with so many issues that are, that are happening, and our children have a lot of mental health and and that type of. Thing. And it's important that they have something sort of to reflect on. Um, growing up in an immigrant family, going through the struggles that I went through, I thought it was just important. Um, we don't sit down with our children and say, well, this is what I went through. And, and even if you try to do that, they don't want to listen to you. So I figured I'll just put it in writing. At, at some point, if they're really bored, they'll read a chapter or two. Um, but it was to give them a roadmap on, on what to do in times of hardship. Um, I talk about, and I'm very open about things in my book. I was 18 years old when I got in the business. I got turned down by several real estate companies. Someone gave me a break. Somebody mentored me. At the age of 19, I partnered up with, with a, um, uh, an investment uh, company. Um, I was one of the principals involved in that. I took the bankruptcy on that because I was the Canadian resident on that one. Um, but, you know, that would, for many people, say, well, you're a failure. You went bankrupt. And to this day, when I renew my, my, my real estate license, I still have to say that I have gone bankrupt. And I'm not ashamed of that because I learned from that situation. I learned what not to do. I learned how to be more thoughtful in my, in my investments. And I also learned what to do in times of crisis and how to handle that. And, and it builds muscle memory when you've gone through you know, these times. And you know we had a whole different set of struggles that we did uh, when we were younger. Uh, today's generation has a different set of struggles, but I think it's still relatable. And for them to know that, yeah, you know, I might see my dad as someone who's done well in life, is very successful in life, um, it's important for them to know that there were trials and tribulations and failures 
that gets you there and you've got to sort of get through it and and not give up and just persevere and just do all the things that you're supposed to do and at some point it will work out for you so that was part of it and I had been writing the book for about seven years prior I had the structure all there I just hadn't put it together and again when COVID happened gave me an opportunity to sit down at the cottage and then take that time and I started writing it just shortly after March uh, of 2020 and by September of 2020 I was able to publish that book and congratulations to you that's it's an amazing story to be able to to tell that story you mentioned in the book the idea of of giving to get and and you know you you come at this and you're looking at it through that business lens sometimes right the idea is that you you're building up your networks in order to be successful and and being able to give something to someone um you know, that pay it forward idea too, that somewhere down the line, it's going to come back to you. And I think that's an important message. A lot of people, uh, you know, might go into certain situations thinking right from the get-go, well, what can I get out of this? But if you flip that around, what you're able to give, is that still what drives you today? It does. And, and you know, there's two factors to that give to get. Um, one is business. The other is spiritual in a way. And, and what I mean by that, uh, first, first part is the gift to get. I would always have people approaching me saying, hey, I'm a mortgage broker. I'm an insurance broker. I'm, I'm this broker. I'm the, can you give me your business? I'm a lawyer. Can you give me your business? Can you? And, you know, when you're starting out in any business, when I was in the business, I was feeling like, oh, I'm a real estate agent. Can you give me some of your business? Can you use me? Can you use me? But what was I giving those people? What, what entitled me to getting them to give me business? And I, I learned this at a very early age that if I want something, I should start by giving first. So it might be information, it might be time, it might be something that I can give to a value to someone to encourage them to think about me. So give without the expectation of getting anything back. That's first and foremost. But when you continuously give, whether you give to community or whatever it is, there's a good chance that you're going to start getting. And that sort of spills into uh, the spirituality part of it. If you do good, you're going to get good. That I believe in that. It's just good karma. You're going to have that. So good giving and doing good is worth doing regardless. So if you can adapt that into your business life, and it's kind of changing your mindset to heart set and start thinking with your heart. And, you know, a lot of business people will say, well, as soon as you get your heart involved in something, well, I can tell you in our business, we're in people's homes. Mm -hmm. The minute you start thinking with your head and start thinking about commission dollars and what's in your best interest, you've dropped the ball. You're not doing anybody any favors. But when you can give solid advice from your heart, know that you're talking to a family, know that you're selling a home, not a house, that's kind of going to completely transform that transaction and you're not only going to have a client today or someone who's going to recommend you you're going to have people out there that are going to advocate for you and that's the true success when you have somebody that says this is the person that I would only use for my business because I trust them um, and you know I've been really honored and grateful I'm on third and fourth generations of the same family from 35 years ago of being in the business and that is such an honor for me to be able to work with that. And I look back at those years and I say, I know that knowingly I've never done someone wrong. I've probably made, and I know I've made many mistakes, but not knowingly or intentionally gone out and done that. And that's where the giving to get really resonates with people, I think. 
and that point you you make, and I'm just coming back to it, is that idea of, you know, it's not about you or an individual saying, these are all of the things that I do, or I'm really great at all of these things. When other people are saying those things about you, then you know that you've made that impact because it's, 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 it's nothing to them other than saying that this person has done a really great job and other people are going to be picking up on that as well too and saying, well, you know what, I might, I might reach out to this person. And, and, and you're absolutely right. You, you build that connection. You, as you said, these second and third generations where people have said, you know, we worked with Faisal 25 years ago, you know, give him a call or, or reach out to him. And you've been able to build that up and you're working in a community that sure the community's growing and we know that population wise, but there's still those, those connections that you can make and, uh, and, and they don't go away. If, if let's say an 18 year old showed up on your doorstep, Faisal and said, I want to get into the career. I want, I want to start looking at a real estate agent uh, as a, as a, a role model as something that I might take on. Um, what would be your most important piece of advice for that, uh, that young man or woman who comes to your door? Well, the first advice that I would give that person is don't do it because you think you're going to make a lot of money because you can make a lot of money doing a lot of things with, but do it because you're passionate about it. And you know, and that this is what you're willing to eat, sleep, breathe. If you're, if I can, I can tell you right now, Brock, I wake up every morning, just happy, ready to go 35 years in. I don't look at this as a job. I look at this as a life. And I look at this as something that I'm doing that's fulfilling my needs and it's fulfilling the needs of others. I believe that I'm doing as much good as I can and I'm getting the benefits of doing that good as well. So it's if you're passionate about it, and this is where you know I talk to a lot of young people saying, you don't have to fit into that box. You don't have to be a doctor, a lawyer, or an engineer, especially if you're South Asian, you've got to be one of those things, right? So I say, you don't have to be one of those things. You can be whatever. If you want to be a garbage man, be the best garbage man out there. In fact, try to own the garbage company, you know? So like go for the top of what you can get to in that career and really own it, but eat, sleep, breathe, be passionate about it and make sure you're excited because it's a, it's a long life. And you don't want to be stuck doing something that you're going to be unhappy doing. That, that idea of joy that someone, and you talk about this, you wake up in the morning, you're happy that, that if you're getting up every morning and what is going to bring you joy, your family is going to bring you joy. But if that other piece is your career, you, what you've chosen to do with the other eight, 10, 12 hours of your day, uh, that makes it easy to get out of bed every morning. And I, I think it's important for, for younger people to hear that as well, too. I, I like that idea of you making that point about university isn't for everybody, right? At the, end of, at the end of the time in high school, you got four pathways. You might choose to, to get into the workforce right away. You might pick up an apprenticeship. You might go to college. You might go to university. You need to know, you need to know who you are, first of all, because sometimes you start down that path and you got to change things up. But at the end of the day, if you can find something that brings you joy, uh, and if it's real estate, I know a guy. I know a guy that will help you out and, uh, and, and, and move you in the right direction. Last thing I got to ask, and, and this, is, uh, this isn't scripted, uh, with your kids, is there an interest in them in following a dad's footsteps? So I, I wish there was. Uh, my son, uh, he's at third year university at Western. He's in the health science program. I'm probably the only South Asian father alive who does not want his kid to be a doctor. <laughs> 
and my kid wants to be a doctor. <laughs> and uh, but you know he's he's showing some interest. Uh, I had him working with me this summer, doing a lot of my social media and marketing stuff, and uh, he's starting to show some interest. He's uh, currently working on a business uh, course, and he's doing some pro formas on a development site, which has got me very excited. And I hope that uh, he he gets that little spark to think about that. But look, if he's going to be a doctor. I'd like him to learn the business of being a doctor because some of these doctors do not have business sense. So I'd like him to learn about that so he can, you know, take that information and that income and invest it and have a better life for himself as well. Faisal, I want to thank you for coming on the show today. And thanks for wrapping up with, with a, a personal piece there as well, too. Your knowledge, your passion, your understanding of the people that you've worked with for the last 30 years. Uh, it's clearly visible. And, uh, and I know that I'm going to have you on the show again, and I can't wait to, uh, to have you uh, stop by again. So thanks again for coming on today. Thank you so much, Brock. Always a pleasure. That was Faisal Suziwala, Canada's top real estate broker, recently published author of The Real Deal, Billion Dollar Real Estate Broker. Luckily for us, someone willing to share his thoughts on the current real estate market as well, too. Big thank you to Adam, our technical producer, for pushing all the right buttons today. And thank you, listeners, for joining us. You've been listening to Ask the Experts here on City News 570.